Hey, this is Jason Hansen. I'm the lead pastor at Anchor Church. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope that as you listen, you're encouraged in your walk with Jesus to live for him, to tell others about him. Thank you for joining us. I hope that you're encouraged. Um, you can open your Bibles to 1 Peter. Let me add my voice to, uh, to Jessica's and welcome you. If you are a guest here this morning, thank you for being here. If you are uh, maybe on the live stream and watching and this is your first time, thank you for jumping in with us. We're so grateful you're actually jumping in at a really good time because we are finishing up our series called Love God, Love People. It's our annual series where we talk about our mission and our values. And uh, this week is our final sermon in this um, in this series. And we get to jump into this uh, value. We've already gone through purposely biblical. We've hit uh, joyfully generous uh, as a value. We've hit relentlessly outward. And today is our last of four values. It is passionately one. Passionately one. Now, um, I want to just say before I even jump into this, uh, before I even jump into this sermon, full bore, uh, in the back, when you leave here today, if you have not gotten a shirt with all of our values on it, there's all four values that are on there. You can go back there and get them. They're free of charge. There's also, we have wristbands that say, love God, love people on them as a reminder for you uh, that this is our, kind of our phrase for the year. This is our, our focus for this year of 2021. We want to make sure that we are thinking about how we can grow in our love for God and in our love for people um, as Christians ought to do. It sounds really stupid that we have to say that these days, but we do. Christians should love God and love people. That's what we should be. We should be about those two things as believers in the risen Christ. This is how we should be thinking about these things. Um, turn to First Peter, as I said, First Peter chapter 4. As, as Christmas season kind of came upon us, and this happens to us a lot of years, most years, last number of years, uh, we as a family need have some serious decisions to make. We have some decisions that we have to to think about, we have to work on, we have to ponder, and it's this uh, decision-making that, that we do. We, we, we have to sit down and say, okay, what Christmas movie are we watching tonight? Because uh, people, all of our family, have different likes on Christmas movies. Some like this movie and don't like this one. Some would rather this third option and not this fourth option. And typically what happens is nobody can agree. <laughs> That's typically how it goes. But we got a family decision to make because we're watching a movie together. We're not going to go in separate rooms and watch a movie. We're doing it together. This is what it means. And so we have to say, okay, why don't we watch this movie that so-and-so wants to watch tonight? And then tomorrow or the next day, something like that, we'll watch the other one. And we, there's a little bit of arguing typically, and then we land on something. And that's how we go about it. But it's a family decision. This is a decision that we make as a family. You know what that is, right? You have decisions as a family that you need to make. There's, there's things you got to bring in as you're thinking about this decision. There's maybe some disagreement that goes into it. Probably at some point, there's even some people that are a little upset with the decision, but they got to live with it because they're a part of the family. This is what we do. This is part of the family decision that we have to make. And church, we make family decisions like a nuclear family, immediate family decisions, and we also make decisions as a church family. We have family decisions as a local church. As we think about walking through life, this life together, as we think about what it means 
to be a local church and how we function together and how we live life together, sometimes there's family decisions that need to, that need to be made and we need to walk these out. And one of the family decisions that we as a church body need to make And as we need to walk it out, we need to live with it, and we need to live as if we've made this decision, is the decision to be passionately one. Because uh, being passionately one, what we mean by that is we are a church. We we want to be a body built up into the Lord. We we are together. We, We are one body. We, we were going to go through the book of Ephesians here uh, just in a couple weeks. We're going to hear this a lot in the first, at least the first three uh, chapters, if not even the whole book. We are one. There is one body. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There is one Lord over all who is, who is through all and in all. We, we are one. And so the fact that we, are, we need to be passionately one is a decision that we need to make because, let's just be honest, it's easier to say than it is to do sometimes. It's easier to say, yeah, we're passionately one. Sometimes it's just really difficult to pull that off. Hour by hour, day by day. Our big idea here uh, this, this morning is being passionately one is a family decision. Being passionately one is a family decision. Make no mistake, it's a choice we make. This is a choice we make in this age where it seems like, doesn't it, you've been around, it seems like we have a consumer uh, mentality as a church where, oh, the pastor made a decision I don't like. Listen, I'm going to make a decision you don't like at some point. Mark it down in your Bibles. I mean, do something. Mark it down in your notes. Jason said he will make a decision I don't like at some time. It's going to happen. You know why? Because I'm a guy. I am a sh- I'm a sheep before I'm a shepherd. And we're trying to make wise decisions. Sometimes it's just going to be a decision you're not going to like. Someone's probably going to wrong you at some point. You know why? We're all sinners. We're, we're in, a, we're in, a, we're in a, a church together. Sometimes it gets shaken up and we don't like it. But, but being passionately one is a choice we make. It's a decision, a family decision. We're going to see this from 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. He's going to help us. Listen, how do we... Stay passionately one when we don't feel like it. How do we stay passionately one when we don't feel like it? Because there will be times, church, where we will not feel like it. And we need to make sure that we grasp this. Being passionately one is a family decision. I'm going to read First uh, Peter uh, chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. I'm going to read through verse 11. And then we're going to just break it down a little bit, figure out how we can live it out, and then we'll, we'll sing some as we close this series on loving God and loving people together. So, 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, maybe you're a guest and you don't have your Bible, or you're watching from home and you don't have a Bible, you can just go on your phone. Mine's back there. You can go on a phone and just go into your, your app store and go for, look at for you version. It's a free Bible. We use the English Standard Version. You can follow along there. It's really easy to navigate. 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. This is Peter writing to the church, churches, to a number of churches, to Christians. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. 
Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that, in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be long glory and dominion forever and ever. Um, and I, I love uh, in, in the, the New Testament writers as they're writing, sometimes, like here, uh, they just can't help but say, let me push the pause button for a second and just remind us all to him belong the glory. It's almost like I, I just can't go another sentence without reminding everybody to him belongs the glory and dominion, not just now, but forever, and not just forever, but forever and ever. Amen. Let's move on. I love that stuff in the New Testament, don't you? And we see it here in, in Peter. Paul, uh, Paul writes like this all the time, and Peter's no different. It's this, just, it, let me just interject here a, a quick reminder for everybody who, who we worship, and that's what he does here at the end of this section. Um, Peter is writing to, we see in, if you, just, if you want to, you can look it over at chapter 1, verse 1. He's writing to the dispersion and what, the elect exiles, which means that he's writing to uh, Christians who have been scattered um, perhaps you might think back here it would have been Jerusalem scattered, so Jewish Christians. But we, we also read in First Peter that he's, t- he's talking not just to Jewish Christians, but to Christians. And he's writing to these Christians in this letter. If you were to read the whole letter of First Peter, if you're new to the Bible, uh, the, the, the letters here, like this is First Peter, there's Second Peter. It's just letters that the apostles wrote to churches. And this is the one from First Peter. He's writing, though, for a specific purpose. And the purpose is to remind them, as these Christians are going through difficulty and hardship and suffering, oftentimes because they're Christians, for the sake of Christ, for the name of Jesus, the Jewish leaders didn't like the fact that they worshiped the, the, the risen Christ, as they say. And, and, and other people were just experiencing hardship in life, suffering in life, difficulty. He's reminding them that though this life is hard, there is a future inheritance. There's a future hope. Therefore, our hope should not be here on this earth. Our hope should be in eternity. Our hope should be in a future glory, with a future glory where God exists because he will bring us to himself. That's what Jesus rose from the dead to do. And Peter is trying to encourage the church, big capital C, the whole church that existed here, that Jesus is risen, remember that, and though you suffer for a little while, there will be eternity where there is no hardships and suffering. And this is what he's reminding them here as well when he says, the end of all things is at hand. Now we might think, well, this was written a long time ago. The end of all things is at hand. That seems like maybe he was premature. <laughs> you know, Peter, you wrote that a little too early. Because a couple thousand years has gone since you've written this. He wrote this in about 60-ish A.D., 30 years after Jesus uh, died-ish. And so, I mean, that's a long time ago. You know, people are still wearing togas, you know. Uh, we, we live in a different era these, these days. Uh, what he means by this is Jesus' return is imminent. We don't know when. 
And Peter's trying to remind the church, listen, we live in the final age. There was, we call this uh, the church age. This is the age where Jesus has risen and he sent us out to the world to proclaim to the cities and the nations the good news of Jesus Christ. This is where we live. And Peter's reminding them, look, you don't know when this is going to be over. The end of all things is at hand. It's imminent. It's coming. Jesus will return on clouds to come back and claim his own. All these things are going to happen and there will be a future hope. He's reminding them here, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, because the end of all things, because Jesus is coming back and the end of all things is here, therefore, he says, be self-controlled and sober-minded. Be self-controlled and sober-minded. Let's remember what we're we're talking about here. We're going to get to love God, uh, love people. So the love stuff's coming, all right? Above all, keep loving. We're going to get there in a second. But first, before he gets there, he says, be self-controlled and sober-minded. Don't be just crazy. Your mind's this way and that way. And you're thinking this and you're believing this. Don't be drunk-minded. Don't be like the person that drinks too much and then can't, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to make decisions and they can't because they're, they're seeing, not seeing clearly. Don't be like that. Be sober-minded. Clear. Steady. Be a steady thinker when it comes to the Lord for the sake of your prayers. Because when you pray, you want to be asking things that, that are godly things. You want, to be thinking, you want to be thinking rightly about this. I remember uh, there was a pastor, a good friend of mine, pastor's name is Trace, maybe you know him. Uh, he, he, one time we were in the hospital as pastors, and there was a family who was having a baby who was going to live, the baby was going to live for about an hour or two. And so we as pastors are, are in the uh, waiting room with the family and with a number of other family members. And I remember... Uh, Trey just walking around to all the families, just talking to him, praying with him. I remember asking him, okay, how, you know, I'm a young pastor. What are you saying to these people? Because this is a, this is hard. This is like an ordination exam. Like, what do we do? I mean, how do we think through this? Help me. And what he said, I've I've never forgot it. He said, uh, what you need to do in terms of situations like this is you need to remind people of what they know, not what they don't know. So, so I want to remind you, God is good. His mercy exists for you. His grace is sufficient for you. Jesus said he'll never leave you or forsake you. He, he said that though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, fear no evil because he is with you. Remember the truth. What do you know? It's not helpful to think of the things you don't know. What happens next? What about ism? What about this? What about that? How do I think about this? I don't know. What about the conspiracy websites? No idea. Here's what I do know. God is on the throne. He is good. Therefore, my prayers can be steady, self-controlled, sober-minded. Here's what I know. God is the king. Every king is under him, right? We, we've, we, COVID, every COVID particle is under the authority of the living God. It, it doesn't come outside of that. Therefore, every moment we live in this pandemic... Every election that's contested and confused and every capital riot that we have and every riot in the streets that we have, all of those things, we can think, oh no, what if this? What if that? I don't know about this. Listen, here's what we do know. God is on the throne. Therefore, we have a future at hope. We have a future inheritance. And it's for the sake of our prayers. How do we pray these things? Oh no. Oh, what do we do? We should not be like that, Christians. Christians should not be the kind of people that are just fearful all the time. Oh, no. We should say, so what? Listen, why, why are people so, this is a sidebar. I'm sorry. 
Why are we so scared that this is the end of the world as Christians? Isn't that good news? I mean, if it is the end of the world, okay. Peter reminds us, future hope. Jesus is coming. We know that's true. If it's now, glory be. Look, we get to live in the last age. We got to preach the gospel to people for the last time. So, so this is good news, isn't it? Here's what we know. We know that God is good. And God is on the throne. And Peter's reminding them that. Be sober-minded. Be self-controlled for the sake of your prayers. And above all, not better than. He doesn't say that. And the best of all. No. But above all, as you think about this coming and the end of the age, Jesus is returning. The end of all things is at hand. As you think about this, above all, keep, church, listen, keep loving one another earnestly. Love one another. Love people. Love each other. Because love covers a multitude of sins. Isn't that true? You know when, you know when things, you know when we, we can't get past sins? is when we think the worst of everybody. It's when we think, we think, you know what, that person's out to get me. I know it. I know they are. But you know if we think about it this way? I want to love that person because Jesus loved me. I'm not going to be stupid and foolish. And if they're going to sin against me constantly, I need to maybe separate this friendship. But you know, I'm going to love the body. I'm going to love the church. I'm going to love us because love covers a multitude of sins. And then he goes on to, to describe some of the ways this plays itself out. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Maybe some of us do a good job of showing hospitality, but we forget the without grumbling parts. I've got to clean the house again. I mean, back, back here, he's likely talking about travel, travelers coming in from cities, and they need places to stay. So show hospitality, bring them in without grumbling. Love one another. And if you, you receive this gift, and when he says received a gift, he means, he means a grace gift. What he means by that is, a, a, we might say, a talent. Something that I can use that God's given me to benefit the body, to benefit the church. Speaking, serving, administration gifts. Um, some of you love children, bless you, to go into the uh, children's ministry classrooms. Um, all of this, we... we we have gifts, all of us, worship team to play instruments. We have gifts that God has given to us to serve one another. To, we benefit from each other. This is an act of love. Love one another as we think about these things. This is, I love what he says, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Listen, God's grace is varied. He's given it to a bunch of us. Isn't God's creation amazing that some of us can paint pictures and some of us can play instruments and some of us can speak and some of us love to serve and some of us are good at math? It's not me. But some of you can help build things that I use and I'm so thankful for it. Um, <clears throat> this is God's varied grace. To us, whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Meaning, nothing is absent of the Lord. You serve, you serve because God supplies that. You speak, you're speaking something God's already spoken. So here, here this, is all, this is all from the Lord in the first place. We are called to love each other, church. Love people. Serve. Like, and there's going to be people that come into this building that are not Christians. We're called to serve them too. As they come in here, look, love 
people. We want to we love. Love covers a multitude of sins. I'm sure that if you think about your life, there's, there's ways that maybe you've spoken harshly to somebody or sinned against somebody and they've showed you grace, forgiven you. That is love covering a multitude of sins. We, we experience this in our, in our lives. And we think, as we think about this text, we can look at it and say, well, yep, this makes sense. We do this together because we're church members. We are members of this local body, Anchor Church and Gilbert. We, we want to love each other, and we do it as church members. And I'd say, no, that's actually not accurate. We don't simply do this together as church members We do this, we practice these things because we are family. We are family, church. You think, well, how do you get that from here? Look at the end of verse 11. We do all these things in order that, in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. You know what the New Testament says about God and Jesus Christ? We're going to see this in Ephesians. I cannot wait for Ephesians. We are adopted into God's family through Jesus Christ. We are called heirs according to promise. We are sons and daughters of the living God. Actually, the New Testament's bold. This sounds like heresy. We are called brothers and sisters to the Lord Jesus Christ in the New Testament. It's not heresy. We're not We're not like brothers and sisters like, oh, we are God. That's not what it means. It means when Jesus says, our Father who art in heaven, he means our Father. We are are adopted sons and daughters of the living God, creator of the universe. We are partakers in the kingdom. We are those who have been bought by blood through Jesus Christ into a family Church, we are, we are family together. We are not just simply church members. That, is, that doesn't do it justice. We are, we are not necessarily uh, flesh and blood, brothers and sisters, but we are blood-bought brothers and sisters. And this should deepen our resolve to say, yes, let us love one another. You know what it should do? It should deepen our resolve to say, we want to be passionately one as family. Making decisions to figure out, okay, what Christmas movie you're going to watch. Don't agree with you. Okay. Well, we'll get to yours. All right. Let's watch this one tonight. Uh, we'll get there. We, we don't agree. Sometimes being passionately one will come along with us having a disagreement we've got to work through. It's not necessarily smooth sailing all the time. Some of you have difficult family situations. You know what it means. But as we think about it, we, we want to make sure that we, as a church body, recognize that we are citizens of heaven co-heirs with Christ. We are sons and daughters of the living God. We have not just brought, been brought, uh, we have not just been bought as slaves, we have been bought as children of God, Paul tells us in Romans. And so we want to make sure that we grasp this. We want to make sure that we understand this. Maybe it would be better for us that are up here preaching. You know, sometimes Tyler and I, as we're talking, I know I do this, I'll, I'll address you all as church. It would be more appropriate to address you as family. Here we go, family, let's do this together. 
Let's walk this out. This is a more appropriate aspect of what it means to be Anchor Church. Family together, being passionately one, walking this out, love covering a multitude of sins. We give each other grace. We think the best. We walk this out together, showing hospitality, using our gifts on a week, weekly basis to serve each other and to bring each other into our, each other's homes and to walk this out. This is what it means to be passionately one. It's a family decision we make. Because we will not drift into being passionately one. We don't drift there. You don't work on your marriage. You're not drifting into harmony, right? Married families, married couples. It's not something you just go, oh, this will take care of itself. No, you work on it. So that's what it means for us too. It's a choice that we make. It's a decision that we make. Listen, how do we make sure that we stay passionately one when we don't feel like it? Because there will be times we do not feel like it. There's going to be somebody sitting across the room from you that you think, that person wronged me. I don't know if I can be here. Or, or the pastor's made a decision, I don't know, but I don't know if I like that. I don't know if I can be here. The question is, and there's, there's times where you, you can't be here. If there's, you know, we start preaching something that's not the gospel, we leave our purposely biblical value behind and do something different, I get that. But, but just everyday love covering a multitude of sins, there's going to be that here. So what do we do? How do we, how do we live passionately one lives with, when we don't feel like it? I have two things. The first one is this. Intentionally find somewhere to be one with other church family members. This is going to help you. Because if you're just constantly off by yourself and you're not jumping into something like a community group, or you don't have a volunteer team you're working with, you're getting to know people and building uh, life together, a, a passionately one life together, it's going to be really easy just to drift off and go s- somewhere else when you, something doesn't feel right. And you're ah, don't need those people anyway. I would just say, no, find somewhere to be one with each other as family. Again, this could be community group. This could be making sure that on a Sunday morning, you're here present, you're, you're figuring out, okay, where can I... Where can I serve? Listen, this is one of the hardest parts about the pandemic, isn't it? Because the things that he says here, showing hospitality, using your gifts, sometimes that's just not, hasn't been possible. I mean, I mean, I guess we could do phone calls and we do Zoom calls and everybody loves the Zoom calls. Um, you know, we do those things, but it's hard when you're, you're not tangibly with each other, isn't it? But we need to make sure that we continue this, but all the more press in. You know, as we think about these things, using your gifts, what gifts has God given to you to serve the church? When we don't gather, I think when we don't gather, and this has been a hard season, but when we come back together, there will be a time, listen, where, where I think we'll all be comfortable saying, look, we got to get back meeting in person. The, the, hopefully the pandemic goes away, uh, we everybody gets vaccinated or we have herd immunity or something happens where we can all come back and we say, I'm not going to watch the live stream. I know it's tempting, uh, but to come in, because when we, we aren't all in here using our gifts together on a weekly basis, the, the Bible says we're a body. It's like we have one hand and one foot tied behind our backs. And we need to make sure that we're, we're loving each other and using these very gifts that God's given to us to serve each other. This is what it means to be passionately one. We grow in it this way. We, we walk this out together. We, we move this, finding hospitality. How can I have people into my home? How can I bring people into my life? How can I let people into my life and learn about their life? This is where the, the values cross over because our joyfully generous comes into this 
to come into play here as well and being relentlessly outward. They all work together, church, to help us love God and love people. Listen, you think, where's the love God here? We already talked about it. We are a family because of Jesus Christ. And, we are, and Jesus came because God so loved the world. Listen, if that doesn't cause us to love God more, I don't know what will. Because we should be a people that love him because of how much he has loved us. And that should cause us then to go out and to love each other as we think about these things in grace. So that's first. Excuse me. Find somewhere to be one with each other as family. And second, love when loving is hard as you would with family. Again, some of you have a family situation where you're thinking, well, that's not my family. We don't love when loving's hard. We go somewhere else. I would say, okay, let's not think about that. What we want to think about is what does it mean in the perfect scenario to have a family? You watch all the Hallmark movies and the, oh, this is so cuddly and warm. Listen, we want to be a family. So we want to, we want to make sure that we love when loving is hard as you would with family. We're not going to always agree. Uh, we are not always going to be on the same page. Like I said before, I will disappoint you. I want to make sure you hear that from me. You need to hear that from me. Because I'm trying to, I want to make sure, I'm taking a sledgehammer as much as I can to any pedestal you might put me on. Take me off that thing. I will disappoint you. I will. It's going to happen. Aaron or Tyler, the other pastors, staff members, will disappoint you. We'll make a decision. We won't make a decision. We'll say something wrong. We'll, we, we won't say enough. I mean, there, there's going to be something there. Because I know myself. I just know how it works. This is the way that it is. But you know what? That doesn't mean we have to break fellowship. It means we've got to love when loving's hard. And walk it out that way and do it wisely and well. I am, listen, the Bible calls all of us sheep. We have a shepherd, capital S, named Jesus Christ. And we are just walking through this life doing our best to follow him. He's put pastors in place to, to help you to teach and to lead. That's my job. But listen, I am, I am a sheep first before I'm a shepherd. I, I am a sheep just like you. I'm not a super member of the church. I'm passionately one with you all. Or if we're in Texas, we'd say y'all. I, I am passionately one with you. We are here together. My gift is not better than your gift. My calling is not better than your calling. It's just varied and different. But we walk this out together. We need to make sure that we grasp this. We are a church family. Being passionately one is a choice we make. Being passionately one is a family decision family. This is the way that it is. This is the way that it works. And we want to make sure we walk this out well and wisely this year. Listen, this year, we want to love God and love people. I'm going to have the band come on up here. Julie and the band. We are going to love God and love people. This is why you have the wristbands. Leave it somewhere where it reminds you, wherever you're reading your Bible. That's what we want to focus on this year. It's why we're going through the, the letter to the Ephesians. We're going to see what it means to, why should we love God? What does it mean? And there's a lot of reasons in that letter why we should have an extraordinary love for God. Lots of reasons why, church, family. We want to make sure that we, we get this. We want to make sure that we grasp this and love people. It all flows together. We think about all of our values, our mission. 
inviting people to live generously for Jesus, giving of ourselves and our time and our resources and our energy and our homes and all this stuff to serve each other, to love each other, to be with each other. We want to do that as we seek to love God and as we seek to love people. And I'm eager to continue to press on. I'm eager to continue to move forward. I know in this weird year of COVID-19, it just feels like sometimes we're all trying to figure, get our bearings in church life again, doesn't it? Sometimes it's like, what do we do? How do we think through this? Listen, we're, you know, we're trying to continue to get our feet moving and run. And as this year goes, I think it's going to be easier and easier and easier to think through this in a community level. What if we were a church that people came into and said, man, these people love each other. What is it? What do they have that I'm missing? And we get to tell them. I'm eager for that day. I'm eager for those moments. I'm eager for us as a church to be a church that loves God with all of our hearts and souls and minds and strength and loves our neighbor as ourselves and everything that we do for his glory. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, our, our hope this morning is not in uh, how well we sing. Our hope this morning is in not how well we took notes, not in how... Uh, how well we came into the week, what sins we committed, what we didn't commit, and how we're doing great. Our hope is solely placed on you because you died for us. You rose again from the dead, and our, we have a future hope, as Peter says, talks about. I pray that as we live this life out, as we walk this road of the Christian life, that we would be a church that embodies, that, that models what it means to love you with all of our hearts and to love our neighbors as ourselves, that we would do that with reckless abandon because we want to see you move. We want, we want to pray right now that we see you move up close. Lord, I don't want to just be a person that stands back and sees you move over in that city. I want to, I want to be a Christian that says, Lord, do something here in our midst. We want to see you move up close. Do it. I pray that as we go into this week of prayer and fasting, that you would answer some of these prayers quickly, that we would have, but just build our faith as we walk this out, Lord, because we want you to be glorified in us and through us. We pray that you would just continue to help us walk this road with joy in you. And we ask and pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Why don't you stand together as we as we close the song?